And good afternoon on this rainy Wednesday. Hello to you, Dan Torres. Hello, Buzz. How's it going? It's going really well. Um, I just wanted to start. Uh, our first guest is a really important guest, a guest who's uh, focused on doing something about uh, one of the more uh, oppressive blights on our society. But before I introduce uh, our guest, I just want to talk... I'll be as quick as possible. I am looking right now at gun uh, gun violence archive, and I was looking uh, at the last month since Uvalde, but then I decided to just look at the last seventy two hours. So bear with me. These are the incidents of gun shooting in which someone was injured or killed, <clears throat> listed in this archive. Today, today. One, two, three, four, five in Illinois today so far. One in Florida, one in Maryland, one in Pennsylvania, two more in Maryland. That makes three in Maryland, one in the District of Columbia. These are shootings where someone was injured or killed. Minnesota, two more in Florida, two in Ohio, one more in Michigan. Now we're down to yesterday. And we can go with yesterday, and you'll find, I think, 23 from yesterday. And now these are just shootings. When we talk about mass shootings, I, uh, I think we're, up, we're well up into the 300s, and that's defined as four or more people. Uh, it is just such an epidemic. Um, it's so unthinkable in its senselessness, and um, we just need to be talking about it. We need to be doing something about it so we have just the right person we have uh, Rena Schnur from Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, the Massachusetts chapter, um, on the phone with us. Hello, Rena. Hello, Buzz. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a mom who demands action. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. It's just so numbing that every day, every hour of the day, there's just more and more and more gun violence. And... Um, we are trying to uh, get excited about this uh, quote-unquote bipartisan uh, legislation, and every little bit helps, I suppose, but it so, falls so far from where I think we should be. So I guess what I want to do is start with, now that I've disclosed my feelings about it, I want to start with yours. Why don't you talk about the problem as you perceive it? So, as you mentioned, it's an epidemic, and actually, when we are coming out, hopefully, from the pandemic, um, I, I looked at the exact uh, definition of epidemic, which is a disease that affects a large number of people concentrated in one area or one community. And so, in our case, it's the United States. Um, so, the, the numbers are, are horrible. More than 110 people are killed by gun violence every day in the United States, and that's more than an order of magnitude higher than in any other developed country in the world. And, and it's from homicide, it's uh, more than half of them is suicide, and homicide comes from uh, violence in cities, but also from domestic violence and accidental shootings sometimes. And so, as you mentioned, we do need to do uh, something about it and much more about it because it's really a public health crisis. It is a crisis. So 
Now, you're involved not only with activism, you're also involved with legislation at both the federal and state level. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, uh, Moms Demand Action is a grassroots. We are all volunteers, and there are uh, chapters. Uh, there is a chapter at every state. Uh, we are involved with legislation, both on the federal level and the state level, in our case in Massachusetts, and also in other uh, venues, in supporting community organizations that work really on the ground every day on violence intervention, and uh, also educating the public. Uh, and we can talk about it a little more, but there is uh, a whole effort of educating the public about safe storage. When you do have a firearm, and you have also children around, it's very important to securely store the firearm. And so there is education efforts going at school district by school district. Which is so important. I mean, when I was looking at these statistics, teen, these are teens that have been either killed or injured, and they define teens between 12 and 17 years of age. In 2014, it was a ridiculous 2,318. 2,300 teens in 2014. In 2020, it was 4,142. It almost doubled in those six years. And we, while we don't have the cumulative time for now, it is much greater now. So these are children, Rena. That So what do you think should be done in terms of protecting our children from gun violence? So let me just also mention that we, we passed this horrible milestone of uh, gun violence be, being the number one cause of death for children and teens in the United States. So that's how, how heartbreaking um, it is. Yeah. And so, so we are, we are taking, there are many, it's multifaceted, the, the solution. And some of it has to do with uh, accidental shooting. So when firearms are put in an uh, unsecure uh, location and children just reach and uh, with really unintentionally uh, shoot and uh, injure or kill somebody. So that's one area that we can do through education. And then there is uh, also um, a lot of violence uh, or intervention in uh, getting some of these teens that have been in uh, violent situations and get them out of it by providing them with education and with uh, job and housing uh, to get them out of the situation. And then there is the whole suicide aspect as well. And I know in the news there have been a lot of red flag laws uh, discussion. It's called also extreme risk protection order. And that's when um, firearms are being uh, withheld from somebody when they are uh, deemed to be in danger for themselves or other temporarily. And sometimes those are um, young adults. So they may not be teens, but they are young adults. And in some cases, uh, we know it's state by state, as we know, uh, kids, uh, teens, and after 18 uh, can acquire firearms. That's right. Suicides by gun, again, I'm, I'm looking at a chart right here in 2014, it was way too high. It was 21,300. In 2019, it was 24,432. Um, actually, 
sadly, the number of suicides fairly that doesn't jump in its increase like um, the other uh, uh, teens um, that we were talking about before. But um, how would a red flag law uh, help prevent another suicide by gun? So um, if somebody is deemed to be um, in, uh, endangering themselves or others because of uh, maybe a mental distress, a family member or police authority can petition to a judge and a firearm is temporarily taken uh, away from them until um, they are getting better or until the uh, matter is investigated. So these are um, what's called red flag laws. They are now, we've been, we were the 17, there are now uh, 19 states uh, that have red flag law. And in the very, very recent uh, Senate uh, framework of a bill that we hope will pass soon, there is also provision to uh, funding for red flag laws for states. Because one of the other area, even when a state passes red flag laws, the public does not know, they are not aware that they exist, and they don't really know how to uh, act upon them. So some uh, public education is needed there. Yeah, it's pretty difficult when you're, you're flagging your child, when you're you know, reporting you're, due to a mental uh, disease or defect um, or upset just that the child is right now having a hard time, that you're going to turn them in or turn their name into authorities so that any kind of action would be taken, and yet it is saving their life, perhaps. Yeah, and we know that uh, in the presence of firearm, uh, a suicide attempt is um, over 90%, uh, as we call it, you know, uh, materializes, let's say. Uh, well, Without a firearm, it's much, much lower. Hmm. Hmm. So you are, um, you're an official in Moms Demand Action. Um, where'd you get that name and from whom are you demanding action? So Moms Demand Action started after Sandy Hook, uh, when uh, Shannon Watts, uh, a mom, a, posted something on Facebook uh, because she was just angry and heartbroken and it kind of went viral really and that's created um, a large movement. She then joined forces with Mayor Bloomberg who at the time was the mayor of New York and he uh, started uh, Mayor for Gun Safety or later uh, Mayor Against Illegal Guns and that created an umbrella organization that's called Everytown uh, and Everytown is really uh, has uh, staff that provided resources for us in terms of guidance in legislation and policy as well as training and uh, Moms Demand Action and Student Demand Action as well um, and the Survivor Network we are grassroots organizations of, volunteer, of volunteers uh, so that's kind of uh, how it started and, and I want to point out, it's not for moms only, we are what's called mothers and others. So you don't have to be a parent, you don't have to be a female, anybody who cares about preventing gun violence. Right, which 
it should be all of us. And what kind of actions can people get involved in? So, as I mentioned, if you like uh, your school district to um, maybe start uh, looking into promoting uh, gun safety and secure storage, that's one area where people can do it in their local communities. We have now a lot of uh, focus on legislation in two er big areas. So one is, let's start with Massachusetts. Massachusetts has a two-year legislation cycle. That means that bills are proposed in one year, in the beginning of one year, and they are really going through the process and voted on by the end of the summer of the second year. So bills that were proposed in 20, beginning of 2021 are now coming into hopefully a vote. Um, and we, with the direction and guidance, as I uh, mentioned, of policy experts, have been promoted um, quite a few bills, but we ha really have on our high priority five bills that are now uh, progressing uh, and advancing in the process within Massachusetts. I'll mention the most prominent among them, which is the ghost gun bills. So ghost guns are ones, uh, firearms that actually are, um, can be printed at home with a 3D printer or a kit can be purchased online. It's not regulated today as a firearm, but people can actually modify it with simple tools and make it a firearm at home. So if you think about it, really it bypasses all these legislation that we have passed in Massachusetts and in other states. And, and we'll talk a little bit about the um, legislation in Massachusetts because we've passed quite strong uh, firearms and gun safety laws so far. But this will undermine all of them because people can basically acquire firearms without any uh, license. And also the firearm does not have a serial number and does not have material that's traceable. Um, when you do a detection. So uh, there are two um, efforts in that. Um, President Biden. Well, hang on for one second. I wanna, I wanna, we're going to have to take a break. We're going to return to those two efforts with regard to these chilling 3D printing machines that can be turned into guns and therefore escape all gun laws. We want to talk about the efforts that are being done to counter that right after this we're talking to rena schner of mobs demand action for gun sense and we'll be back join us again right after these messages this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 101.5 whmp What are the obstacles that specifically face women of color on college campuses and how can they push back? Join us when we speak with Professor Janie Victoria Ward, the co-author of Sister Resisters, Mentoring Black Women on Campus. Professor Ward will be our guest Thursday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP, News, Information, and the Arts. 
Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Hi, it's Rob from Lundgren Honda. Summer is heating up, and we want you to be ready for those summer road trips. So we are offering a summer road trip inspection. One of our trained technicians will perform a thorough multi-point inspection of your vehicle, along with an air conditioning and performance test and front-end alignment check. This will ensure that your vehicle is safe, your AC is working to its potential, and the alignment readings are within spec. All this for $49.95. So please call, stop by, or go online to LundgrenHonda.com and make an appointment today. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. Stop what you're doing. The financial markets are in ruins. You're in debt up to your... And you hate your job. And you keep hoping for a better way. There is. My one-man show, Yield of Dreams. I'll demystify your money myths, transform your life, and entertain you all at the same time. Curious? Join me, Charlie Epstein, June 23rd, 24th, or the 25th at Holyoke Community College for a financially entertaining evening. Get tickets at yieldofdreams.live. Free for all students. And start living a life of wonderment, joy, laughter, and play. Now that summer is officially here, the nation's airlines are trying to figure out how they are going to deal with an increase in demand for tickets and a shortage of airline personnel. Last week's Father's Day Juneteenth celebration caused widespread delays and cancellation of thousands of flights. According to BuzzFeed, the risk that TikTok could share user data with the Chinese government is real. The website reports it has listened to hours of audio from TikTok employee meetings where sharing was discussed. One employee could be heard saying everything is heard in China. Get ready for a recession. That's the prediction from the investment bank Norma. In a note, analysts at the bank point to two major factors. The Federal Reserve is hiking interest rates and inflation is growing at the fastest rate since 1981. Both, the bank says, will limit growth. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Rena uh, Schnur of Moms Demand Action. She's a co-leader and she co-leads the legislative e effort um, trying desperately to uh, uh, have gun sense rule this market instead of greed and foolishness. Um, before we uh, we answer the question we talked about, uh, we started at the beginning of the break, um, Rena, could you tell people how they can get in touch with you if they're interested in either activism or lobbying or just donating to every town? Yeah, so one thing you can do is just uh, join and then you'll get a lot of communication uh, and you can text ACT, A-C-T, to 64433. And uh, then you'll join and you'll get uh, communication. And you can also find us on Facebook. 64433, you said? Yes. And that's ACT. Okay, so I was asking you about the two different platforms. And you, you, you started to say President Biden's um, uh, one of those. Right. So there are two efforts going on to uh, really regulate uh, ghost guns as firearms. One is an executive action by President Biden. 
that uh, uh, is going to be on a national level, but again, it's an executive action, so it can be uh, reversed by another uh, president in the future. And also, all the effort is being enforced uh, at the state level. So there is that just got uh, formed and got what we called out of committee, hopefully on a way to a vote in July, uh, to make uh, ghost guns uh, prohibiting as they are and regulate them as firearms. And so one thing you can do is to call your legislator and you can go to mass.gov and find who, they, who is your state rep and who is your senator and uh, ask them to support a uh, strong gun safety bill and especially uh, the ghost gun bill. Can't emphasize enough how important it is that you contact your legislators and tell them that. They need support in these kinds of matters too because some of their constituents are gun lovers, are hunters, um, but these ghost guns, um, why, why should they even be permitted at all? They should be completely banned. Um, the gun industry should be uh, completely regulated. And, and we want to point out for people, just I can't ever talk about this without saying people who say that it's a slippery slope and any legislation leads to an abridgment of what Heller, even though I disagree with that case, said as our Second Amendment rights. Well, that Second Amendment begins with the words, a well-regulated militia. Every amendment requires legislation. It, it, you can... You have a right to demonstrate, um, but as soon as it becomes violent, yet right goes away. You have a right to free speech, but you can't scream at 3 o'clock in the morning in a residential neighborhood. Well, guns should be subject to reasonable regulation. And So what do you think about assault weapons and the fact that they're not, the assault weapon ban, which we have here in Massachusetts, is not among those uh, topics that have uh, favorably resulted in that bipartisan agreement? What do you think about that, Rina Schnur? Right, so uh, let me say that it takes uh, quite a few steps and uh, there are many facets to prevent gun violence. But uh, even then, we are very hopeful and this is a historical moment, really, because it will be, if passed, the first legislation federal legislation in almost a generation, 26 years. Mm. So, uh, and, it, and it has some quite strong provisioning. Uh, prominent, one of the prominent among them is closing the, what's called the boyfriend loophole, which we have been promoting and, and has been passed in the house a couple of times already. And that's when uh, uh, not a spouse uh, or a married uh, spouse, but a boyfriend has a restraining order uh, or, or such, they are also prevented now after this bill passed, will be prevented from acquiring firearm. So that's really uh, a big thing in turn, and in, in addition to other strengthen, strengthening the background checks, uh, being more diligent about who is really a firearm dealer that do need to do a background checks, which is not the case, it's pretty, uh, loose now, and also, as I mentioned earlier, providing some funding to um, states that have red flag laws or other violence intervention matters, as well as support for uh, school safety and mental health. Um, and so, and crack uh, 
some uh, firearm trafficking, which we are very well aware here in Massachusetts because we have strong uh, firearm legislation, but we don't really have borders. So weapons can come and firearms can come across the border. Well, I wish we had more time to talk about something that's extremely important. And the damage that's done by it is so senseless and unnecessary and can only be remedied if each of us do the kind of work that Rena Schnur is, her, the co-lead of the Massachusetts chapter of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense uh, and the co-leader of Massachusetts uh, state legislation, or the leader, I should say, uh, effort... Um, Rena, I thank you so much for not only for what you're doing, um, both as an activist and as an advocate and as a lobbyist, but also as a model for the rest of us. We all and have we, to get into action. Go ahead. I want to leave with one action. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, text BOLD, B-O-L-D, to 64433. You'll be connected to your senator and definitely tell that to people that live outside Massachusetts in some states that it's even more important. Text BOLD to 64433 and let's put the final pressure on Congress to pass this legislation, this historic legislation. You're absolutely right. Without us being heard, it's not going to happen. There's too much resistance, too much uh, money uh, that people make from this industry that makes these weapons. So um, please take Rena's advice BOLD 64433. Please do it. Get active. Rena, thank you so much for being with us today and for everything that you do. Thank you so much for having me and for putting the light on, on this important topic. It's our pleasure. Have a good rest of your day. We're going to be back with Nan Parati right after these messages. Stay with us. It's the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family-run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Eversource representatives held a public meeting last night to discuss the reasons they're proposing a natural gas pipeline between Springfield and Longmeadow and to allow the public to comment on the ongoing review and permitting process. Chair of the Longmeadow Sustainability Committee, Andrea Chasen, spoke out. Why do we need a much bigger pipeline to provide the service to the same existing number of customers? If we are going forward under the mass climate mapping, we are going to be seeing a decreasing number of customers over the next 10, 20 years as we go forward looking for alternative renewable energy. Eversource must obtain several municipal, state, and federal permits before the project can begin within the next two years at an estimated construction cost of $44 million.
Some Chicopee residents are concerned about the possibility that over a million dollars could be reallocated away from city schools. The fiscal year 2023 budget has a request from the school department for $1.25 million in additional funding, above what is required to be spent by state law. The city started adding the extra amount at least five years ago when schools were facing layoffs. But this year, Mayor John View said he doesn't see the need. After hearing concerns from several people, including teachers, the council voted to schedule a meeting on June 30th for the school committee to discuss budget-related items. And there's a new president at Greenfield Community College. Dr. Michelle Schott has been named GCC's 11th president. She'll take over for interim president Dr. Richard Hopper on July 18th. Clouds and scattered showers for your Wednesday with highs only near 70. Temperatures in the low 60s tonight with showers around. More clouds and showers on Thursday with dew points rising into the 60s, which will make it feel more humid out there. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. Winesick Nursery is your local go-to garden center. We've been around since 1954 and we're as local as it gets with 80 acres of homegrown trees, shrubs, plants, flowers, and a retail store. Winesick Nursery wants to be the one you turn to for growing advice, to help you find the perfect tree for that special spot, to be there when you need annuals, flowers, perennials, organic vegetables and herbs for your garden. Winesick Nursery is your best source for soil and for bulk mulch and compost delivered to your driveway. Winesick Nursery is your retail store with garden necessities and gifts like houseplants, tropical plants, and pottery. We can recommend the best seed and fertilizer for your lawn and show you beautiful shrubs and flowering trees. We are the go-to garden center for experienced gardeners. For those who are not, Winesick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and at winesicknursery.com. You want to feel important. You want to be part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you, but our part-time service in the Army National Guard means we get to be more. When our communities are in need, we get the chance to stand up and do something about it. We get to serve in our own region and help the people we call neighbors. From the coasts of Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. The small communities of Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. To the dense forests of New Hampshire, Vermont, and New York, and historic Washington, D.C., We are here for our hometowns. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association and this station. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. And of course, with us on this Wednesday afternoon is the uh, uh, stalwart... Nan Parati with an interesting thing. Nan, what is your interesting thing today? Well, first of all, y'all know that for a long time I was down in New Orleans doing the Jazz Fest, and now I'm up here working on the Green River Festival. My whole life is festivals, which is a really, really good way to live. <laughs> and this week, so you might even hear a lot of stuff in the background. We've got a lot of stuff going on here. But um, this week, my guest is Montserrat Archbald, who has worked here for 4,000 years, is it, Montserrat? I think 14. 14 years, yeah, about the same as me, maybe. And um, Montserrat is in charge of recycling and composting at the festival, which for a long time, our two stations, I do the 
art. She does the recycling and composting. We were set up beside each other for years and years. And I would watch her and her team of volunteers go through every bit, and I'm not making this up, of garbage and composting and recycling that is out here at the festival, sorting it, resorting it, making sure the stuff didn't get put in the wrong bins, and then going to where it should go, and which is just fascinating to me because what I do is a lot of fun. I don't know if what you do is a lot of fun. Too. Oh, it is. It, it is? is a lot of fun. Really? Yes. <laughs> so I asked Montserrat to come out today to talk about recycling. There's a lot of weird stuff, information getting out about recycling and composting these days that is kind of weird, and I wanted to ask questions anyway, and I thought I'd bring you all along with me because it's a lot more fun that way. Well, I, so, I think it, it is going to be a lot of fun, but but... You can't let her get away with it's a lot of fun to go through trash. You have to explain that. <laughs> yeah, let's start with that. What's fun about that? Well, let me just start with one little correction. You said that I go through all the garbage, which is not technically true. There's a separate trash team that okay. goes through the trash. We just go through the recycling and compost. Uh-huh. And we um, this year we're, we're calling ourselves the green team. Uh-huh. Most other um, operations like this are called the green team, and it's much quicker than recycling and composting. But we do sort all the recycle and compost. We do not sort all the trash. Aha. Go ahead. And why is this fun? Because, um, well, for the last couple of years, I've had a wonderful assistant, Steph Marat. Uh-huh. And she and I um, supervise all the volunteers. We have a great team of volunteers. Everybody who volunteers to do this job does it because they are passionate about environmentalism and reducing waste and um making sure everything goes in the right place and doesn't all go in the landfill or into an incinerator. So they're all really dedicated people who would be here whether or not they were getting a free ticket. Uh-huh. Um, and so we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of people who um, come back year after year, and we decorate our tent, and we're very busy the whole time. We're never just sitting around. We feel like we're doing um, – we are working in service of our um, – of our uh, – beliefs. Yeah. You know, we're, we're we're acting on our conscience. So that's what makes it really rewarding and fun. How many pounds or tons or what do you think you go through? Out here? Oh, gosh. Well, we do record that. And I wish I had brushed up on my numbers uh-huh. before I got here because I don't remember. But it, I think it's in the tons. Uh-huh. I don't remember wow. how many tons. Wow. Um, talk about, so let's say I'm just a festival goer, I'm like eating, whatever, and I'm just going to throw my stuff in any of the bins. Does that really, does it really matter since you're going to go through it anyway? Yes, of course it does matter because (laughs) we don't go through the trash. So Uh anything, any compost or recycle, mostly it's compost that you throw in the trash, we're not going to get that. It's just going to go, um, with the trash and be thrown away and, and uh, Greenfield's trash goes to the Murph in Springfield and is incinerated. So, oh, really? Yeah. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but here at the festival, uh-huh. uh, all the vendors are required by their contract to use compostable wares. Mm. So they are not giving out any trash. Uh-huh. So if they give you, you know, a hot dog or a fried dough or something, it's going to be on a paper plate or it's going to be in a paper boat. It's going to have wooden utensils or compostable utensils and a compostable cup. 
And all of that stuff can go in the compost. Uh huh. And there are signs that say that, but most people don't read signs. <laughs> I know that's the thing. Most people, I, and I'm the sign writer, so I try to make it so they read them. Yeah. I really try to help you out a lot. I want well, you to know these, that the signs that they're reading are, come from the um, Franklin County Solid Waste Management District, and so they they're set uh-huh. um, signs with pictures of things that are compostable on them. So that is not your responsibility. Okay. All right. We cool. do help out cool. with other signs. Well, let me ask you this: as we're getting started here, um, so. And this is a really, really basic question we've been talking about since Earth Day in 1972. But why, for those, you know, a lot of people who still say that's just crazy. What what does it matter? Why does it matter? Um, Well, a lot of people, including you, focus on recycling, which is fine. Um, You're rolling your eyes at me. Well, my my (laughs) motto is recycling. It's the very least we can do. (laughs) I like that. Recycling is, I have mixed feelings about it. There are many, many issues with it. Some kinds of recycling are worthwhile. Some are not. It's true. Sometimes it goes in the trash. It's much more complicated than you might think. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm much more interested in composting, Mm -hmm. which is uh, always good. Uh huh. And it's much less well known than recycling. Like everybody knows what recycling is. Most people don't even think about composting, which uh-huh. is why so much of it goes in the trash. Um, composting is taking things that are made out of natural materials, paper, wood. Um, there's some kinds of quote plastic unquote that is made compostable mm. out of um, plants uh-huh. um, and leftover food. All that stuff um, can be composted, broken down through process, which I'll explain if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a very valuable material, which um, after it's finished, uh, we, we partner with uh, Martin's Farm right here in Greenfield. Uh-huh. Um, and after it's finished compost, then that um, he sells that to people, to gardens and farms that use it as a soil amendment. Uh-huh. So um, that's all done right here locally. It's a very valuable, valuable material that is problematic if it goes in the trash. But it's wonderful if it doesn't go in the trash and uh-huh. it's handled in the right way. And composting itself is uh, its the life cycle. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you understand that, then um, you understand how life works. And that's why I think it's so important. <laughs> so, Montserrat Archibald, how does it get from, from there at the festival to the places that are going to actually use it in agricultural purposes? Um, well, first of all, it's Archbald. There's no I in the middle. <laughs> I, I, got the same I got the same comment, too. <laughs> um, so we, um, we collect it in bins. Um, my volunteers um, drag the bags of compostable material, which is all the vendors' wares and leftover food and paper, um, back to our tent. We pour it out on a table. We sort through it and make sure there's no trash um, in there. Um, and then it goes into a dumpster, which, is, which belongs to Martin's Farm. Uh, we work with Adam Martin, who is um, a great uh, uh, partner to have. <laughs> he does really wonderful work. Um, at the end of the festival, um, one of his people, one of his uh, guys who works for him, comes and picks up that 30-yard dumpster, brings it back to Martin's Farm, um, and they process the compost um, by um, they have a big farm where they lay it all out in uh, windrows, which means long piles, and they turn it periodically. Um, so it's decomposing, um, and pretty soon it doesn't look like garbage anymore. It looks like dirt. Um, the more you have, the hotter it gets and the faster it processes. Um, and then at the very end, they run it through um, a big machine that's like a sieve that takes out any little bits of plastic that might have gotten in there by accident, like 
like you can compost a cardboard box. It might have some tape on it, and the and the um, sieve will take out that tape. I forget that, what that machine is called, but it is just like a giant sieve. Um, and then that can be bagged up and sold, or people can buy it by the truckload. Does that answer your question? That does, and it's, uh, it's an incredible answer to that question. I uh, I remember reading about um, what anaerobic digesters and uh, just sophisticated uh, technologies that are available to deal with composting. We are going to take a break. We're talking with Montserrat Archbald and Thank Parati's you. interesting thing this week, and it certainly is. We're going to have a couple minutes of messages, and we'll be back with Nan and uh, with, um, uh, now I'm afraid to say your name, Montserrat Archbald. Archbald. Like Arch it's so easy, yet it's so hard. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Come on over to the co-op, the Green Cooperative Bank. Hi, I'm Jay Seeler, Vice President, Commercial Lending at the Greenfield Cooperative Bank and Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Our experienced local commercial lenders are here for you and your business. Hi, I'm Maura Guzik, Vice President and Commercial Loan Officer. Did you know GCB is a SBA preferred lender? And unlike other banks, each of our team members has individual lending authority for fast local decisions. And I'm Adam Baker, Vice President, Commercial Lending. We're here to help your business grow with commercial loans and lines of credit. You can reach any of our experienced commercial loan officers by phone or at bestlocalbank.com. We'd be happy to meet with you at your business or at any of our Franklin and Hampshire County locations. Come on over to the co-op. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov and click on vaccine clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and in special situations, Johnson & Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages five and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19, and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down. 
For complete contest rules for WHMP, please visit WHMP's website at whmp.com and click on the Contest and Rules tab. A little bit of hammering and a little bit of humoring. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Home improvement ideas and advice. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Sundays at noon, 1015, 1400, and 1240. WHMP. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 1015, WHMP. And saving the planet is the interesting thing in Nan Parati's uh, sequences this week. So back to you, Nan. So Montserrat, we're talking about recycling and composting. And when I said recycling, you kind of rolled your eyes at me a little bit there, which is fine. Montserrat doesn't mess around. Uh, and, but let's talk about recycling. What is it about recycling that makes you roll your, not really roll your eyes, but what do you think about that? I, I do. I do literally roll my eyes. Okay. Um, Recycling is more is complicated, and a lot of people are confused about it. I'm confused about it, and no wonder, because it is complicated. It's different everywhere. There's no national rules about it. There's, it's, uh, it's complicated. Um, some kinds of recycling are worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for recycling to work, you have to have enough of something that you're going to have a volume that will make it worthwhile. It ha- you have to have the processing facility that can handle the content of that thing and the shape of that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have enough staff for that. And then most importantly, you have to have a market for it. Ah. Recycling isn't done because it's the right thing to do. It's a business. Right. And if there's no end product that people are going to buy, then it's not going to be recycled. And that kind of thing is changing all the time. Like what facilities we have are always changing, but more importantly, the market is always changing. Mm -hmm. So you can't say this is how it is. And then two months later, it's, not going to be the same. Oh, yeah. Um, some things are, are um, very worth recycling. Um, aluminum cans. Uh-huh. Um, when you recycle aluminum, the quality of the product is virtually um, as valuable as the original product. Cool. So definitely worthwhile. All right. Um, same with glass. If you have a facility that deals just with glass, but if glass is mixed in with other things, it's much more complicated. Dealing mm-hmm. with broken glass is a problem. Uh-huh. Um, the, but the most problematic, oh, and paper is um, recyclable, especially newspapers and office paper. Um, that's very valuable. It can be used over and over again. There's lots of things that we make out of paper, so that's always going to be a good one. Oh, cool. Um, what's it called? when uh, Single stream recycling. Um, I have a lot of issues with that. It, it, um, what is single stream recycling? It's Sorry. when you throw everything in the same bin, your paper, oh, yeah, your plastic, right. your glass, your metal, yeah. uh-huh. and then it's sorted out at a facility. Mm-hmm. Um, that ends up with, um, it lowers the value of the materials because they are mixed together. They're dirty. Um, it takes a lot more labor to take them apart, so they're right. not going to bother if there's problems with it. Um, and maybe even more importantly, it's... Um, doesn't it makes people not take responsibility for what they're throwing away like you know i remember when i was a kid in the 70s we would sort our paper and our cans and our glass into different bins and we knew what was happening to them Uh um now if you throw everything in one bin it just encourages people to not think about what they're doing and just think everything's recyclable so it's all good and that is so not true (laughs) um more problematic than anything else is plastic which is which can be recyclable, but um, a lot of people have the misconception that 
the the recycling symbol, well, it's even called a recycling symbol, the chasing arrow symbol, right, which is right. arrows in a triangle with right. a number in the middle, that means something's recyclable. It does not. Ah. That symbol was made up by the plastic industry to make people think everything's recyclable. Wow. All that number means is what kind of plastic is in there. There are thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of types of plastic and they have to be recycled differently. Wow. So you can't put all your plastic in one thing and have it recycled all the same. You did say a little while ago, I understand, I hear what you're saying. You said that there is some plastic that is compostable. How do we know what that is? Uh, um, it's because it is labeled that way. So, but it's very hard to tell uh, just by looking at it. There's there's some kinds of cups and cutlery and dishes that are, um, it comes oh, in a bag that says it's compostable. Um and you can buy that stuff, and that's what we use at the festival. Wow. Okay. But All it's right. hard to tell just looking at it, which uh-huh. is another problem. Yeah. Um, but the main thing about plastic is that it is not – it can sometimes be recycled. The process of recycling it is very toxic. A very small amount of it actually can be recycled. And even after it's recycled, it's still plastic. It's still toxic. It's still made of all kinds of dangerous chemicals. It's still going to end up in the ocean or incinerated and in the air. It's Plastic never, never goes away. Uh-huh. Um, so it's always a problem. And yes, we should be recycling as much plastic as we can, but we shouldn't be making plastic in the first place. Oh, yeah, you're right. So I would say don't buy any plastic. <laughs> if yeah. you end up with some plastic somehow, recycle it if you can, but we should not even be buying it or creating it. I know there are some things that can only be made out of plastic, but there are a lot of things that don't have to be made out of plastic. This is fascinating. This is, I mean, because we do, we do think, okay, as long as we recycle, we're still being really, really good people. But this is, that's why this is so fascinating. This is why this is an interesting thing because again, we think we're doing the right thing, but just by buying it, we're totally doing the wrong thing. You can feel good about recycling your aluminum cans. Okay. And my glass. And your, and your glass. Well, I don't think there is a um, glass, recycling facility here. I think oh, there, wow. last I heard there's one going up in Vermont, um, but I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who does this and reads about it. So I'm not sure where we are with glass recycling right now. Oh, okay. It, it can be done well, but I don't know if we're doing it well right now. Oh, okay. Uh, but I do have to say that Greenfield is pretty good. We um, Greenfield is not sending recycle to China. Um, we do handle everything at the Springfield Murph uh, Materials Recovery Facility. Um, and so Greenfield does a pretty good job. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that makes me feel good. I mean, I want to feel good about something here. Um, yeah, but just don't buy plastic unless you really have to. Okay, all right. I'm totally not. I mean, even the chloroplasts I use for signs out here, I reuse and I reuse and I, I reuse until they're like little tiny pieces, and I then I finally throw them away. That. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. If you ruled the world, how would we live? Well, we would all compost. We would never put any food or paper or wood in the trash. Uh-huh. Um, we would all compost. If you Composting is very easy. Uh-huh. If you have a yard, you can do it in your yard. Um, if you don't have a yard, you can take it somewhere. Um, you can always take it to a um, some, some towns, collect it at their transfer station, or you can take it to a farmer's market. They will often accept um, other people's compost, but look into it. Um, around here, most people have a yard, so you can compost. Um, but none of that stuff should be going in the trash. And then you will be able to use that compost, and you'll be um, reclaiming the wonderful qualities of living things and making them back into living things. Okay, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. so, <laughs> so of course, in Asheville, we have a dump, and uh, I take my everything to the dump, but my, including my paper. But what should I be doing with my paper instead of taking it to the dump? And I'm everywhere around here has dumps. So well, do you, what should we do? Can you recycle your paper? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, 
Yeah, so Bus says yes. 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 So you can recycle the paper at the dump? Yes. I don't know. We how have a whole bin for, for paper. <laughs> right. and, yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we're all doing the right thing because I just, you know, we're really finding out about plastics and stuff here. Oh, you might hear that a horse is going by. Yeah, there's a horse going by. Really cool. <laughs> here at the fairgrounds in, in Greenfield. But um, that, Follow that horse because there's going to be some compost, compostable material on the ground right after that horse passes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we have um, one minute left, Montserrat. What do you want to leave? Uh, what's the takeaway for listeners? Oh, if I rule the world, though? Yes. Um, well, I want to urge you to compost. <laughs> and um, and there's nothing dangerous about composting. It's easy. No matter what you do, it's probably going to work. I always, but don't be intimidated. I take my food scraps. This is true. I take my food scraps and I throw them out my side door. And then I watch the skunk and the fox that come every night to eat them. And that's really cool. Yeah. I figure that's really composting. Yes. <laughs> and recycling. We, we do the same thing with our chickens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, right. did, we used to do the same thing, but we got bare. So we, we right, stopped doing that. It. Yeah, I think there might be some problems with feeding wild animals, it's but fun, I think so. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I really love it. <laughs> well, Nan, you've done it again. Um, it is indeed an interesting thing. So, you know, my coach and every coach worth his or her salt always said there is no I in team. Well, there is no I in Archbald either. Montserrat, <laughs> thank you for joining us. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Nan, we will have a great time at the festival, both of you. Thank you for all that you're doing. You're making the world better. And Nan, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Everybody stay dry. See you tomorrow. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. I didn't think it was possible for me to be an alcoholic. I was 24 with a good career. I thought that alcoholism only happened to middle-aged men and celebrities. I thought something else was making me sick, shaky, and afraid to face people. Then I found AA and discovered it wasn't something else. It was alcohol. AA helped me find a new life. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up. Online and in-person meetings. For more, call 413-532-2111 or visit Western Mass AA the only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5 o'clock.